Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Politicana. We have a very special episode today. We are on episode 100. Of course, you got your hosts, myself, Tyler. We got Pratik and Nick. How's it going today, guys? How do you feel about being here for our 100th episode? I feel great. I feel like we've accomplished something. We have hit a milestone and we finally made it to 100. And I'm excited to talk about all the stuff we've talked about in these 100 episodes in a short fashion. Nick, what about you, man? How you feeling? I know I you've been like... here for like 90 episodes, but still, it's pretty <laughs> exciting. I was going to say, yeah, I came in on episode 12 as someone being interviewed. So it, it's pretty wild to go from that to all of a sudden, you know, almost like 85 plus episodes of being with you guys. It's it's pretty wild. It's pretty cool. Honestly, I feel like the last 20 episodes in particular have just uh, really flown by. A lot going on in the world. Mm. Well, you know, I'd still consider you a special guest. Um, just We just have you every week. I, I wouldn't say you're a full-time host at this okay. point, but you're almost I, there. I could get maybe, kicked off at any second. Maybe once you hit 100 episodes. Keep me on my toes. Yeah, exactly. Keep you on your toes. We keep That's how we keep bringing you back. But hey, guys, today's episode, like I said, is going to be pretty special. Unlike the typical walking through different news stories, what's going on in the world, we're going to be covering what's happened since we started this show about two years ago now. First, we're going to start off with the 2020 presidential election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. We kicked our, off our show leading into that presidential election. It was very contentious. So what are you guys' thoughts about what's transpired since we discussed that two years ago now? So I think what we've learned is that going into the election, we thought that there was going to be like a major change. We thought that people that were hardcore anti-Trump people felt that, you know, Trump was doing all this bad stuff. Joe Biden would come in, would change everything. And what we've come to realize is that Joe Biden and Donald Trump were polarizing the opposite presidents. Donald Trump had something going on every day. Joe Biden, we don't know what's really going on with him. I think with Joe Biden, uh, benefits of Joe Biden is the fact that him being here is is better than other Democrats for most Republicans. Like most Republicans would tell you that, oh, better off having Joe Biden than having Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren and you go down that rabbit hole. While Democrats would argue that we don't like Joe Biden because he's not progressive enough. But if you look at every single one of their polls, Joe Biden is one of the most consistently high scores when it comes to polls. He's won literally every single poll from 2019 to now, whether it's presidential polls, primary polls, whatever polls that you look at and i think it's fascinating but that's the contrast i just think that trump supporters and trump people they wanted something completely different they still are supporting it republican party and maga has become almost synonymous while on the flip side whenever joe biden was there people thought that joe biden wasn't progressive enough but at the same time joe biden is one of the leading democrats even now despite him not having the fanciest approval rating so. Well, I want to give you guys some credit here because before I came on the show as a semi-permanent guest, or I guess we could say permanent now. <laughs> I was um, just kidding. For, no, I know. I know. Yeah. Um, but initially, when you guys ended up covering uh, Kamala Harris and sort of who she was and her background, I mean, I think so much time has passed that a lot of people don't remember because it's not in the day-to-day -day that Kamala Harris is the reason why Joe Biden started losing in the polls during the primary. She came out. She said, you were in favor of busing and or you were against busing you were against um integrating schools in a way and i was that little girl on that bus to that integrated school like joe biden who are you to sit up here and say that you know what the future of america you know needs when you were so wrong on that and it affected me as a little girl that's insane and so now of course 
you know, she's the VP. People don't care about Kamala Harris. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't say anything. If there's one random gaffe, so be it. But even at the State of the Union speeches, it's not like she's really, you know, she, she's, she's like with Nancy in the peanut gallery. Gallery. She was wearing a brown paper bag the last time, basically. I mean, Kamala, have some confidence. Wear something loud, okay? You're important. You matter. And if you're going to run the next time, I don't know, make a, make a splash. She's just like, dude, she's exactly like Mike Pence in that way. Mike Pence, he didn't say a word, okay? He was in the shadows. Like, no one knew anything about Mike Pence until all of a sudden they wanted to hang Mike Pence. But for Kamala, it's like she just sits there. She doesn't do anything. So, I don't know. Props to you guys for actually giving some perspective on who Kamala Harris is, what her track record was as she was getting involved in the race. Because now, I mean, without shows like that, without people covering her, I mean, people really don't care about Kamala Harris day to day. And I think it's something that you would actually pick up on and come to appreciate from listening to uh, the past 100 episodes. So go back to like episode eight or whatever it was. Check it out. It's really funny. So Kamala Harris obviously took that uh, that hit against Biden and ran with it. It boosted her up just enough in the polls for her to be taken seriously, obviously considered as a VP. And who would have guessed when Biden became president? What does he say? He says, when President Harris and I took a virtual tour of the vaccination facility, that was just a reference to one of his gaps where he called Harris the president. So maybe she already made it there. Who knows? Um, but look, we have Biden as president January 6th. Besides the election, the first major event that we covered on this show. So January 6th, we've talked about it so much. You guys have you guys especially have battled over whether or not the elections were rigged, whether or not it was warranted, whether or not Mike Pence should have taken a stand for the people. So after all of this, we're actually still d- figuring out what's going on with January 6th. We know Trump just got subpoenaed. He might have some statements on this. They've had a committee for quite a while now. We're seeing this progress, but we, after two years, still, not two years, after a while, we still don't have a conclusion about this messy, messy situation. So thoughts? And I got to give props to Pratique on this one, because every time we talk about it, I feel like we are consistent. So I'm always nervous about it being repetitive at all. But at the same time, I mean, these are the dominant narratives that you're going to hear, or if not the dominant right now, in the election, come the next election, whether it's in one month for this general, or when the presidential comes up, I mean, you're going to hear the same types of things you're hearing on our show. Um, Granted, you know, other people have similar ideas and whatever, but I think Pratik, for example, I know we butt heads a lot on the show, but I got to give him a lot of credit. Like, he sticks by his arguments, he's consistent on them, and I think it really you know, reflects pretty well on what you can kind of expect to hear coming out of some of the major candidates to give you a better idea of, you know, kind of like, why should you listen to our show? Well, you should listen to what Pratik has to say if you want to understand the Republicans, because he's super dialed in. He knows what's going on. And a lot of the same stuff, I don't know, I feel like if you understand that, you're going to get a better appreciation for the political process and what's going on in the country. So, you know, as much as we, again, fight on the show, uh, Pratik knows what's up. He's really on it. So, you know, props to Pratik for that. Well, I, what I think our show does well and what Pratik does well is combining the typical narratives you're going to hear from the media, but then our own thoughts and opinions. And right. When our thoughts and opinions don't align with that narrative of the media, we'll still tell you what those people think and what they would say about it. And I think that's kind of hopefully what people appreciate about what we're talking about here. It's not, it's not that we always say we believe this because of X. We're saying the person that believes this believes this because X, Y, Z. No, I wasn't I trying to say Pratik was generic. He, he's far from it. <laughs> I mean, let's oh, no, I, be I, real. I <laughs> oh, yeah, I, did I say that? I didn't mean that at all. No, I, meant, I, I, I realize he, that maybe that's what oh, it sounded okay. like I was saying, but no, 
I'm just oh, okay. hey, Patek, I didn't, what, I didn't what were you thinking? You were about to say something. And I think I think it's good. So we have these debates. We all me and me and Nick both go at it. But the fact is that we both listen to each other. So what always gets lost in any of these political dialogues is that generally speaking, me as a Republican, I feel like I'm always being attacked. You have Democrats, they believe what they do. So if you start arguing with them, they will just quit talking to you. They'll quit listening to you. They'll just be like, I'm right, you're wrong, you're stupid. And Democrats would argue the same thing when they talk to some Republicans. They, that's usually the way it goes when it comes to political dialogue. And everybody is hardcore on what they believe. So it's good that we're able to at least have a conversation. Again, we never agree. We have the same exact opinions. You can listen to our show when the riots happen. You can listen to our show before the riots happen. You could talk, listen to our show like two or three weeks ago. Our, our opinions and our what, whatever we argued about during that election process is consistent. Whether you listen to me or Nick, and if like, you know, if you have like a strong opinion, the fact is that the way we're going at it, the benefit of it is that if somebody is a hardcore Republican or if somebody is a hardcore Democrat, they will align with our perspective sides. So like the fact is that we're explaining to the people that are listening to us the different ways of looking at it and it's not always black and white. There is like different opinions when it comes to this stuff. And Democrats think whenever it comes to this stuff that, oh, this stuff wasn't stolen. There is no way. And then Republicans half the time can't argue the side on why it was stolen, but you can make genuine claims on why it was. And it's the same stuff when it comes to any of this stuff, when it comes to the Russian stuff. So I think the benefit of this kind of conversation is just that you get to hear both sides. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. If you don't agree with Nick, that's fine. But at least you get to hear what if, both if sides If you disagree believe, with both of us, you're dumb. You're that's wrong. That's fine, too. That's a pretty no, if you disagree say. with both of them, you're on Tyler's side and you've won the game. <laughs> that's we're true. Always that's right, true. Um, <laughs> yeah, but look, but one, one thing I want to mention about what you said, Pratik, you said that, look, our opinions don't change over week over week, month over month, year over year. I don't think that's true. I think our opinions change with evidence, and that's important. That's true. But I think generally you can understand where our values, where we're ethically aligned and how we're going to you know, represent ourselves in the political realm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think every time we end up talking about this stuff, I mean, what are some of the big uh, news stories there? I know we were going to talk about more serious things, but um, I don't know. I, I love how early on, you know, Biden... Look, I'm going to vote Democrat this time coming up. It's just how it is. But even I, like when he fell asleep at the UN climate conference after saying like the climate is so important, I'm going to take it seriously. He shows up, he falls asleep instantly. I, that was one of my favorite gaps of the year. Pratik Tyler, what, what were some of your favorite gaps? That, that's a good intro. We should just touch on all the gaps now. So I'm going to walk through the list. You guys give me your comments on each situation here. If you bring up any uh, gaps that I didn't mention, feel free to just mention it. But to kick it off, we have Biden saying, <laughs> if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Thoughts? This is so this is before he got elected, for sure. But it was while our show was going on. I felt we still should include it. Thoughts on that comment? I think that it was racist. But the fact is that they all say racist things. So like, is it that important? Sure. For Republicans, they're going to talk. If somebody says that Donald Trump is racist, they're going to counter with saying, well, Biden thinks that if you don't support him, then you're not black. I mean, look, I mean, this part of the argument is the same as the semi-fascist MAGA stuff. Yeah, you just, whatever side you take, you're going to be hardcore for that side, and you will defend it to the end. Yeah, not a good look. I don't think anyone would defend Biden on that one. That just, plain and simple, was not a good thing to say. 
wasn't smart politically. I really don't know why he said it. I mean, surely he was prepped before going into that interview. It's not like you're going into like talk to, I don't know. I mean, oh gosh, I don't know Charlemagne. It's like, look, I, I forget the name of the uh, the morning show that they do in New York, but that's very much like a cultural show. That's very much a rap show. And to say something like that, I don't know. It it's just weird. It's like you should have been prepped on on different things that are going around in terms of the conversation and the culture of what's being talked about where i don't know i mean usually i mean i'll talk about peek from behind the curtain i used to do some speech writing i used to do some talking points prep and generally when you're sending someone on one you're coordinating with the people actually on the show to be like hey what are you going to ask and two you end up prepping and you do a murder board sometimes not all the time but sometimes where you ask people who you're going to be sending in this case biden you'd ask them really tough questions or try to get them out of their comfort zone and try to catch them. So it's like, oh, crap, what if you get asked this? What are you going to say? And clearly he wasn't well-prepped, and that came across pretty clearly, I think. Well, I actually disagree. I have a different theory on why he did this. So we, we've seen this before with Hillary Clinton, where if she speaks to a largely black audience, she'll actually dump down her language and try to speak more like the people she thinks she's trying to convey the information to. And I Which think Biden, off. after... Yeah. Which is off, but I think Biden being in that situation, uh, it, it made his off-the-cuff remarks kind of that pandering mentality. Where if he's on the streets uh, campaigning and wherever, he's going to tailor his message to those people. I think he almost intuitively did the same thing with this comment here. I don't think it was preparation. I mean, he's he's failed. He, he's had so many off-the-cuff remarks that just didn't work. I, clearly, he just says things, and not everything's going to be prepared, and that's just kind of how Biden operates. He also shakes people's hands without them actually being there. That's the other one. He was shaking someone's hand, the angel of death. So you're <laughs> right. We just had we, we had Biden, after giving a speech on his little document, it said to turn to the right and give a handshake. So he turns to the right, and there's no one there, and he still gives a handshake. And he's just standing there looking like an absolute freaking idiot. Um, that's our president, people. That was one of the first big Biden gaffes where you're like, oh, he's actually senile. We were joking about it, kind of. <laughs> But now it's confirmed. Hey, man, that's not being senile. That's paying attention to what the writers are telling you, okay? <laughs> that is taking direction. Detail. That is good. It's being meticulous. Exactly. That's what we look for in a president. Mm -hmm. And then next up, we had Biden falling off a stationary bike. Pratik, I know you have some thoughts on this. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Biden's just going, um, you know, just riding on his bike, stops, nothing's going on, and then he just falls off the bike. And it was hilarious. It was like, that's our president, people. Somebody that falls off stationary bikes. Yeah. And look, <laughs> falling off bikes, falling upstairs somehow, however that that's works. That's the other one. Um, Remember when yeah, he falls he, off going up the, going he's the plane upstairs, and he falls man. up <laughs> Like I said, times. the heavens are trying to pull him up. The angels are like, Biden, <laughs> it's your time. Let's go. And he's like, no, I got a country to run. Dude, speaking <laughs> of angels, it was pretty bad when he asked for uh, Representative Jackie uh, yeah. Walorski to show herself at this event. And she had died uh, like a month before that in a car crash. And so that was... That was pretty rough. <laughs> you well, think well he actually he gave a statement about the car crash after it happened. That's what made this situation so fucked up. Yeah. So Biden like gives a it. statement 
about someone's death. Well, he didn't. He forgot or he's senile. But, but he literally spoke about <laughs> someone's death. And then weeks later was like, where is she? Where is she? I knew I thought she was going to be here. Like, just think. Come on, people. Like, even if you're a Democrat, you have to be thinking there surely has to be someone better here. And the polls don't show that. The polls show Democrats are just loving all of what Biden's got. Well, no, because that's the thing. I think in a weird, I guess in a similar way at least how I'm thinking about it, where Republicans love Trump in spite of his personal character stuff. Um, and in spite of some of the things he would say that got him in trouble, they were like, Oh, I still like his policies and I like his ideas. And I like the way he talks, even well, if some, sometimes yeah. it rubs people the wrong way. It's the same thing with Biden. I think, which is Democrats end up, do end up liking the guy's policies. He's seen as sort of stable, even if he has these bad gaffes, like, look, that's a pretty bad gaffe, but is that going to impact you politically? No. It's really not. Not on the federal basis. It does when you're shaking hands in a local event, but federally, would that really, you know, rock the boat? I don't think so. I actually think, I mean, with Biden, the fact is that people have a lot of opinions on the guy, but if you really look at his polling numbers, he never loses. So there's something behind that. Like, nobody ever talks about Biden always winning the polls. Everybody talks about Trump always winning in the Republican polls. People talk about, oh, all these people don't like Biden. His approval rating is really low. But he's the only candidate right now out of any of the Democratic candidates that if you poll him against Trump, he's winning. All the other Democratic candidates are losing against him and Ron DeSantis. Trump, on the other hand, like... Since he was in office, he was also like losing to a lot of these other candidates. But the fact was that Joe Biden, he was losing in such a big fashion in terms of polls that that's what led a lot of Democrats to probably go for Joe Biden. And what's crazy is that Joe Biden is the same character that he was in 2019. It's not like he's any different. Not like anybody came in thinking Biden was going to be something completely different from what he is whenever he became president. He's literally what you thought he was going to be. So I think one thing... Because we always get caught up in all this stuff. But the fact is that if for for Republicans anyway, like we would much rather have President Joe Biden than have President Bernie Sanders or President Kamala Harris or President Elizabeth Warren. And hence, maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe Biden won moderate people because of that argument. Maybe Biden won some Republicans that didn't like Donald Trump. Like you, people always look into this stuff in a weird way where they're like, oh, I think all these people hate Biden because I hate Biden and Biden isn't doing any of our progressive stuff. Same thing, I guess people would argue with Trump. Like Trump, the fact is that he won a lot of the moderate people that are in places like Massachusetts and Maine and stuff that vote. Like maybe they don't matter as much in the presidential election, but in general election, in the primary stuff, that's how he won those states. I think it's always it's like you have to look at it in the broader, bigger picture. And I think some of that stuff gives Biden an edge over a lot of the Democrats. And I mean, the fact is that people should understand that. Like, I feel I feel like, you know, we always get caught up in this stuff. I mean, I'm a Republican, so I'm going to hate every single Democrat. But the fact is that, you know, Joe Biden does have an edge over a lot of these other candidates. Pratik, listen, listen here, OK? I said I wasn't going to disagree with you on the show, but I'm going to disagree with you right now. Trump was running against a guy, John Kasich, who ate pizza with a fork and knife. Okay, you, you can't lose to that. All right, there's something upsetting and disturbed about sitting down in a restaurant, trying to act like a normal person, and then eating pizza that way. It's hey, disgusting. Hey, that's what they do in Europe, though. It's ridiculous. This isn't Europe, okay? We're better hey, America, than Europe. We, America we made it better. This. I agree, man. We, we, we know how to eat pizza. Dude. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. But I, I want to point out something that Nick had actually said before. You, you mentioned that both Trump and Biden were similar in that they have flaws, but people are willing to accept those flaws for the policy or whatever they're getting from it. I disagree. I think there's a difference between a character flaw and just being incompetent because you're not able because like I literally think he has a mental decline situation going on. So that's not necessarily a character trait. He's not attacking people. He's not, you know, like what, what Trump does in my head is purposeful. What Biden does is not. So he's doing things that he doesn't mean to unintentionally. And that's proven by the amount of gaffes and attention he gets for these gaffes, in my opinion. And that's a bad look when you have the bully pulpit. You have all the attention. You're the president. Half your job is to just represent the country well. And he does not do that. So I think he's failing in his job to do that. That but, is you know, as, as Trump, as Pratik had mentioned before, it's like the, you move from Trump. People didn't want the status quo. They moved to Trump. People don't want Trump. They move to the opposite of Trump as Joe Biden. It's it's status like, quo. People are just moving <laughs> back and forth. We're not really getting anywhere. <laughs> I, think, I, I say, do think the other thing, too, other thing, too, with Biden is that, I mean, we, we always look at it in terms of, like, how he is as a person. But I really don't think de- Democrats and Republicans are different voter bases. Democrats look at who am I going to support that is going to accomplish my policies that I want and is going to win in the presidential election. Republicans care more about who is representing me and who do I think is a better representative of my values and what I stand for, more so than who's going to win in the general election. And I think when it came to 2016, the argument could have been made that out of all the candidates, Trump was probably the least likely to beat Hillary Clinton. Out of all the other candidates that were there, like the top eight, like I'm not talking about your Jim Gilmore's and stuff. I'm talking about like Rubio, Cruz, Rand Paul, Jeb Bush, etc. Like out of those people, Donald Trump had the lowest polling data against Hillary Clinton. So Republicans have always thought that they would rather have somebody that they feel is a bit more aggressive and feel that they're representing their population much more than having a generic popula- pop, uh, generic um, candidate that's going to win the general election. And I think Democrats and Republicans are different. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. Like I'm just saying that the voter bases are just different. They look at things differently, they believe in different things, and they value different things. And I think that always comes out, you know, as a major factor when it comes to any of these, how people vote during any general election. Hmm. So how do they vote for Biden when he calls himself a senator when he's president? <laughs> well, it's a We're good thing confused, the election wasn't but... held at that point in time, my friend. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I, um, that's I mean, at the same correct. time, I'm glad that Trump didn't direct the CDC to have us all start injecting ourselves with bleach. I know that's not a direct quote, but I still remember that press conference. It was not too long after... There, I remember there was an eclipse, and there are all these pictures of Trump looking directly. They're like everyone's like, "Don't yeah. look at the sun," and then he looks that's directly at it with any of the glasses, without any glasses. It was hysterical. And then he's like, "All right, hey, that's ballsy, dude." He's like, "That, it's that bad. makes me want to vote for the guy." He's like, "It's bad on the sun, okay?" <laughs> he's like, "All right," he said, "Like, all right, coronavirus, bad on the lungs. Maybe we could do an injection or something with bleach." And it's like, all right, he's not saying like ingest bleach. He's not saying drink it, but he, but he is saying like, all right, what if, what if we applied these same principles? So in that way, I think Trump is a scholar. He's a scientist. Clearly, he's an astronomer. He was looking right at the sun during an eclipse. So I mean, look, I mean, the guy is a modern Galileo, a modern and Isaac the opposite Newton. of. And, and I, I'm glad you brought that up 
because Trump has a lot of gas. It's just our show started pretty much when Biden That's became true. president. So we have, didn't have as much time. And Trump got kicked off Twitter right after that. Do you guys want to talk about that for a sec? The fact that a sitting president... Well, actually, was he sitting at the time yeah, he, he was sitting. removed? He was kicked off of Twitter, one of the biggest social media platforms. This was a huge topic we talked about. It touched on free speech, public utilities, all that good stuff. So where are we a few years later? Well, Elon Musk might be buying Twitter. It seems like he may be forced to. And it seems likely that Trump might actually get reinstated for the next election. Can you guys believe it? I think it's a good thing, man. Freedom of speech will always win. If you ban people from speaking, well, in the end of the day, they'll find a way to have their voice again. I don't think that's the case. Look at what's going on in Iran right now. When we were having this conversation, at least my side was like, should this be a public utility? And we've seen no movement on anything in terms of like Zero. regulatory or right. any legislation. Nothing's happened. So we can't speak much about that. My opinion actually is pretty still consistent. What about you guys? Do you think it should be a public utility, these companies, or not? No. I think so. I, I, I think don't think so, so Dan. I, I think Twitter, Rumble, all this other stuff, it's not like you have a single source monopoly on all this information. Like, is Facebook a public utility? I'm not convinced. Like, is TikTok a public utility at this point? I'm not convinced. Mm. I, I think all these platforms... I mean, look, I love YouTube, so if YouTube went away, I would be pretty sad. <laughs> but I don't know. With With all these different things coming out, I do think that... You know, there's there's definitely some some valid fears and some valid anxieties over people getting banned from all these different social media sites. And if you're not on these sites, then Tyler, to your point, if it's treated like the new public square, then, you know, do you is that infringing on your rights? But at the same time, people who were gleeful that Trump got kicked off would say it's a private platform. They can do what they want. You Republicans love private companies so much. Twitter's a private company. Let them ban them. I don't agree with that, but that it was turned around that way in the messaging. I think similar to that, let's, this has nothing to do with it, obviously. Let's talk about Hunter Biden. He's also been in the news. Everybody hates Hunter Biden. That is a Republican. Democrats feel like they need to move away from the Hunter Biden conversation because it's kind of killing the Joe Biden vibe. But the fact about Hunter Biden is he's a goofy guy that does goofy things. Yeah, I mean, I think I said this early on, and... I, I don't feel differently about it, which is, you know, Hunter Biden should just go live in a cabin in the woods somewhere. He should not have any internet. He should just exist. And, you know, don't screw up your dad's presidency. It's that simple. Just go chill out. Like, he's lived a very messy life. The only positive thing to come out of this, I think, is the fact that um, Sean Hannity had some clip on his show of a transcript, an audio recording between Hunter Biden and his son, where, or between Joe Biden, Joe and, Biden and his son and Hunter. His son. And look at me, I'm gaffing. I'm talking about Biden, I'm gaffing. So uh, where Joe said, like, hey, I love you. You know, I it was dealing with his, his son's drug addiction. And I think that actually reflected well on Joe. It's like, yeah, I didn't elect Hunter. I know Hunter is a shit show of a human being. But I don't know, for a dad to be like, hey, son, like, we're going to send you to rehab. You know, I'm so sorry you're dealing with this. I love you. I just don't see how that reflects badly on him. I think Hunter Biden's very flawed, but for Joe, I think he actually, at least for Democrats, came out looking at least a little bit more empathetic. And for for my libertarian friends, because they don't really exist in our side of the aisle, Nick, one thing that they would argue is that if Hunter Biden can go smoke crack and go engage in all these illicit and illegal drugs, 
why is it such a why is it a crime for anybody else to do that stuff and when they're thrown in jail for engaging in these substances why is that not the same law for hunter biden now the argument is all this other stuff that we always argue about that you can't legalize all these drugs etc cetera, etc cetera. but why is hunter biden not had any rep repercussions whenever they've had video evidence of him engaging in these illicit drugs I mean, it's an argument, but that's what libertarians would argue. Republicans and Democrats are usually on the same board. <laughs> I actually really like that from our uh, last episode where I didn't know what the difference was between Schedule 1 and Schedule 2. And then after looking it up and being like, wait, they're saying that weed has no medical benefits at all ever. I was like, wow, that's OK. Like, look, personally, am I a fan of marijuana? No, I, I'm really not. Um, but in terms of like just saying that, no, it has zero medical benefits and therefore must be schedule one. It's like, that's, that's insane. I don't know. That's just nuts to me. So if meth and fentanyl can have medical benefits, so can weed, but we digress. Pratik, I had told you a joke. I saw it at a comedy club this past weekend regarding Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, whatever. I think you guys might appreciate it. So hopefully I don't butcher it. But so the joke, the joke goes like this guy walks into a bar after about two drinks He's speaking like Obama. He's presidential. He's like, look, guys, this is the situation. This is what we need to do about it. Twelve beers in, he's more like Trump. He starts yelling at people. He's calling people names, doing the whole Trump thing. I'm not going to give impressions here. You can imagine. Twenty-two beers in, you're Biden. You're on the floor. You're rolling around. Your eyes are closed. You're almost passed out. You're 30 beers in. That's when Hunter Biden comes out and the crack comes out. So with that, with that said, I think it's good to move on. By the way, I actually personally, on an individual human level, think Biden's probably a good guy. All my criticism of Biden are his competence to be the president of the United States. I personally don't have anything against the individual. And I, I think it's almost a crime to send an 80 plus year old to be the president of the U.S. Like, please go enjoy the rest of your life. Go to Delaware, wherever you think you're from, and just live it out. Enjoy yourself. Maybe enough people think that, and that's why Joe Biden is always up in all the polls. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not like Pratik, he's done anything as president. <laughs> you and your it's polls. A, hey, man, well, I'm all about yeah. the polls, dude. I'm consistent. You say he's done nothing. I used, to be, I, mean, I used to not be all about the polls, and then I realized that polls are always usually right. Popular so, votes. Usually what right. Do? What did Biden do? Uh, student debt relief. That was huge. A lot of people are going to remember that, especially because the application portal opened pretty much last night. Recently. There was a beta yeah. for a little while, and now the application's open. So if you have a student loan, go to the application, fill it out, get your money while it's still but yours to get. Band-Aid fix, as I had mentioned before, $10,000 now. As, as what do we do in 20 years when the fix. same situation happens again? So it's still helpful we for touched people. on that. It's like the, it's it's helpful like for people, programs. But again, like... <laughs> Hold on. Social security is helpful for people, but it's going to collapse on a generation. Is it yeah. really that helpful? Delaying the collapse is not like being in a Ponzi scheme is not a great thing. We shouldn't like be happy about that, in my opinion. Do you remember that song, 877 Cash Now? It's like that, but it's done in the government. You give them, you kick the loans from the government because they're like, all these kids have no credit history, so let's just give out free loans to all these people. And then when they become, after they become thousands, students, yeah. they're like, we need this money back now. And they have like no credit history. They don't haven't really earned that much money, but then they expect that money back instantly. And, and then no they decided relief. that, you know, because they already gave crappy loans to begin with, then they want it back. 
back. So these people are going to be paying that money back for a long period of time. So then the government is like, all right, we gave you a crappy loan. Now we're going to take that money back. So then in the future, we can raise our cost on education. Yeah. It's well, a win-win-win right there, man. Talking yeah, about the government makes you know money from all ways. Talking about win-wins. Hold on, before we move on. Do you know the difference between a subprime mortgage loan in that crisis and the education one? Is this During the subprime mortgage, they actually looked at the loan applications in the <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right. I just came up with that. I think that's pretty funny. That is pretty <laughs> exactly. good. Um, so Afghanistan. Uh, <laughs> that happened this year. I don't remember it happening almost because of all the Ukraine stuff. And but Biden that, is president, so it's only it lasted good. like a week and a half. No, that's that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's like Afghanistan was made out to be a big thing. And hey, look, we we called it on the episode where it's like people yep. are going to talk about it, and then next week they're going to forget because something else comes up, and that's exactly what happened. The war in Ukraine that's going on right now way more important than the Afghanistan stuff. Like, sure, you may have a small number of people who vote on Afghanistan, but really. I, I don't think it's going to be that pivotal of an issue. And We're think, seeing the same stuff we talked about on the show, the economy, abortion, these other issues that are bigger than Afghanistan will ever be. And what we would talk about on this show is if you listen to me at all talking about this stuff, I would argue that if Joe Donald Trump was president, Afghanistan would still be being talked about right now. They would be arguing that, oh, this Afghanistan war lasted for so many years. We did so much good things. We helped almost eliminate Taliban. And look, when Donald Trump came back, the Taliban took over Afghanistan. And that's the same thing that happened whenever Joe Biden, if you reverse Donald Trump to Joe Biden. But because it was Joe Biden, Joe Biden can do no wrong and say no wrong. You know what and the I'd always that, argue that. The one thing that's been lost is we used to talk about military industrial complex and getting out of these foreign wars. But then the second a big geopolitical actor like Russia yeah. does something, it's like, all right, no one's talking about Raytheon right now. No one's talking about Lockheed Martin. But you know they're making money hand over fist. You know, even though we pulled out of Afghanistan, even though our presence isn't as much, those defense companies are still making more money than they've ever made before. <laughs> with what's going on in ukraine yeah. so yeah but it's like you see the same situation with like when COVID hit environmentalists disappeared for about a year and a half and i understand maybe there's less emissions less people are traveling around but it's like i didn't hear anything from environmentalists when there were more pressing issues like the plague that was killing us all so i just think people have a hierarchy of needs and it's like once a war breaks out stuff is real and we don't really care and as much. with the same I think we like to pretend we care when it's not a place and with oil and energy it's like we pretend to care about reducing gas but then when we actually have a limited supply of gas we all freak out and we're like why does it cost so much and we kick out any leaders that don't support the fact that we want low gas and that's when the climate activists become quiet again, too, is like you look at what happened with Europe, right? Whenever all of these countries were dependent on Russia because they banned oil and gas since 2010 when they stopped fracking it in almost all these countries. And then they started buying all this stuff from Russia. And then Russia, Ukraine happens and they all decide that they're going to potentially cut down on their amount of you know stuff that they're buying from Russia. And all that did is it just jacked up the oil prices for everywhere else because all of these people realize that they're still dependent on oil and oil and gas is not gone yet it has been making some american countries rich exporting lng to europe that's true because they've had to pay ridiculously high prices to import our american gas 
So, in a way, <laughs> and if we fract more, that, if we fract more, that's our next conversation about Saudi Arabia oh and OPEC. But if we fract American, more, then yes. we wouldn't be reliant on countries like Saudi Arabia and Iran. Where uh, right now, Biden is begging OPEC, begging Saudi Arabia, please or do oil production cut. Please, please reduce, give us more oil. Don't reduce the amount of oil that you're giving us. Don't do oil production cuts. And what do they do? They do oil production cuts. And the reason for all that stuff is if America um, decided to frack more, then we wouldn't be dependent on all these other countries. Sure, Nick would argue that, oh, you're creating more in climate change and all this stuff. In his same argument, you could argue that if, if America Tell me did my frack argument, more... If America Play did frack, no, no, I'm just saying though, I would counter that is that if America did frack more, then you wouldn't be relying on all these bad actor countries. You wouldn't need to rely on a Russia. You wouldn't need to rely on a Saudi Arabia or an Iran. You would just frack your stuff, become in self-independent, sell your stuff to all these other European countries because they're too dumb enough to not frack themselves. And then once you have more electric cars and when you start having more alternative energies and all this other stuff, you can move away from it. But the fact is that right now, if you just stop producing stuff and you just stop fracking, then you're just going to become reliant on all these bad actor countries because they're not dumb enough to stop fracking. Right now, they would argue that, oh, all these other countries, they're trying to be all the moral take of the high moral high ground and because of that we're fracking more we're making more money and right now after all this stuff has been going on the countries that are the most profitable countries are the countries right now that are all in opec and those countries are not the countries that you want to have as your allies countries like iran venezuela argentina saudi arabia russia those are like the big dogs and those are not the countries that you want to have as your friends. Those are the countries that persecute their people. I don't know much about Argentina, but the other ones, like Saudi Arabia, Iran, they're not the best people. And that's our next topic. U.S.-Saudi Arabia relations and U.S.-Iran relations. I think Nick, let's at least give Nick yeah, a chance. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Look, we, talk, we argue about the environmental stuff every week. This yes, will be the one right. week we do not argue about it. I there just wanted go. to say one just fun fact that I learned recently yeah. was um, when there's a hurricane in the in the gulf and you actually have to end up shutting down some of the oil operations slash also when you're delivering natural gas one of the big entry points from offshore uh gas exploration is to be delivered uh through these ships through the henry hub in louisiana and so when you have a big storm coming through it ends up temporarily disrupting some of those shipments and that'll actually lead to higher prices so it's just very interesting to see like once storm season ends up hitting you know you will have these knock-on effects from shutting down these operations because i mean look with natural gas like if your ship gets rocked okay that's just going up into the atmosphere you know it's not like you're it's still bad from a climate perspective but it's not like you have oil in the ocean like uh, a deep water horizon killing all the fish and doing all that stuff i don't need to see any more dawn commercials but i just think that's a fun little fun little fact this storm season if you're starting to see some slight bumps in your gas prices that actually may be because they shut down temporarily and it has nothing to do more broadly even though yeah the saudis still play a role russia still plays a role and you know i will we'll see how that is going forward Look, talking about Saudi Arabia energy, we got Russia. Of course, they love their energy, but lo lately they've loved taking over Ukraine, or at least trying to. Um, something we talked about on the show, I believe, was whether or not the invasion would have happened if Trump were in office. I believe Pratik said the invasion would not have happened. Am I correct? Yes. 
and I think I took the other side, and I'm pretty sure Nick took the other side as well. So I don't know what I said. Let's just kick it off. Let's just kick it off with critique. Uh, do your thoughts uh, stay the same? Yeah, I think that if Russia, if America, if Ukraine um, and the Russia stuff was going on, if Russia did attack Ukraine, I don't think that would happen if Donald Trump was president. The reason I would argue that is because Trump and Putin did have decent relations. They wasn't, they weren't like the best of friends as the media tries to put it all the time, but they had decent, amiable relations. Where if Putin, Putin relied on America to take certain stances and take certain decisions, which arguably you can make an argument that oh, America, like if you're a Democrat. You'd argue, oh, America was Putin's puppet and all this stuff. But then certain other things are different too, where America was much more harsh and took a stronger stance on countries like China, which people would argue Biden isn't doing that are on the Republican side. But the argument there when it comes to Trump and Putin is that I don't think Russia would have been stupid enough to attack Ukraine if Trump was in office because Trump is the kind of guy that if there are certain things where he was to get attacked, America would have taken some kind of offensive against Russia. But that's why Russia would have never attacked Ukraine because they would have argued that then they're just dismantling the, the small relationship that they do have with Trump, which arguably that was the best relationship America and Russia have ever had over all these last like well, five, six decades. How are we defining good relations? So good relations? Relations wise, I just mean their countries are able to communicate with each other. Generally speaking, when it comes to Russia and America, we don't communicate. No, we do. Like where we have the International Space Station partnership. I know there's been some issues lately with that, but I don't. I don't think that's. I don't give a lot of credence credit to the idea that leaders being friendly with one another means they're gonna make geopolitical decisions based I, off those. I think Putin is different. I, I don't. No, no, I think Putin has goals and he's going to do whatever he needed to do to get, implement those goals. And Trump had nothing to do with the calculus. It, I don't think he really mattered that much. Well, let's say I, I know. Yeah. Let's I not just, give we'll Putin to too much yeah. credit here. I mean, clearly everyone's been making him out to be this super genius, this evil villain the past 20 years. And, and now he finally he's invades Ukraine and now he's this big <laughs> idiot. Like it, it, it just he, that he successfully quickly, invaded you know? other countries, so Crimea, Georgia, like he's done his thing. I think I think when what I'm saying though when it comes to relationships is that if he saw if he felt that Trump was much more bombastic as a person and if Trump is willing to take certain harsh stances against countries like Germany and France and England that are allies of the United States if Trump is still communicating with Putin. Putin would see that as a positive because in generally speaking, he would argue that, all right, Biden's there if any other president's there. And if I decide to attack Ukraine, America is going to do some kind of attack on us. But the funny thing about Biden is Biden is a strange character. He doesn't take he doesn't attack you. He's only going to spend trillion billions of dollars to defend you. But, you know, that's the argument. Most of the time when America is attacked or if an American ally is attacked that we're sworn to pr protect as we were with Ukraine, basically, and all these other NATO countries, but with Ukraine not being a member of NATO, there's some kind of weird middle ground. I think the thing about Putin was Putin felt probably that he'd be able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish without having to attack Ukraine. Because if that attack goes badly or if somebody else was there, if Trump was there, Trump would probably attack them back based well, on if he listened to his finance, if he listened to his war. military advisors. And he would threaten oh, nuclear war. Sure. Biden would sure. never do that. And I think that Biden have, doesn't have the yeah. backbone to do that. And as I'm not saying well, this Biden a good was thing like, or a bad we don't thing. want to escalate this anymore. Yeah. Go in Ukraine, you know, go ahead, but like 
we're not going to escalate this. We will not put U.S. troops on the ground. We're going to supply Ukrainians with defense, but we won't put troops on the ground. I feel like and, Trump would have been like, hey, it, yeah. mess around and find out. Like, you want to invade? Yeah. All right, we're going to get you why, right back. That's why I would argue that he wouldn't do it. I thought he was big against the boots on the ground kind of thing. It, they all are. And I thought Trump, in office, a big part of his dude, message was, why dude, do we have troops overseas? We should take care of Tyler, America. Biden was doing the same thing whenever he was, like, you know, campaigning. He was also opposed to any foreign interventions in any wars. That's what separated him from well, Obama well, in 20, I agree, whenever they ran, like, 2008. Where my mind think, is, uh, the way I see it is, whatever we would have done geopolitically had little to do with Biden and Trump as much I, as it did with the I generals think, and all, all the people in the background. Yep. I think with Trump, the difference is, is what Nick is saying. He's 100% correct. If you, if you, if like Russia was like, we're going to attack Ukraine. And if America is sworn to defend Ukraine, Trump would be like, you should try to attack Ukraine and see what happens. And Putin wouldn't because we wouldn't take that risk with Biden. Like the argument could still be made about nuclear war. Like, okay, you didn't, we didn't defend Ukraine. We didn't put military brutes on the ground, but we did everything but that. We spent billions of dollars to literally give Ukraine a good enough army to be able to defend themselves and hold off Ukraine for this, for hold off Russia American for troops, long. which is the goal for a lot of people, I, I thought. I don't know if this is, you know, this is just my opinion. I get that yeah. it doesn't reflect all truths and realities, right? <laughs> but I genuinely feel like if Trump and Putin got into a pissing contest over nuclear war, I feel like there Trump at least has the personality to go in and push the button and set the world on fire because he'd be like, well, I'm going to survive. But like, look, you're trying to one-up me. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm better than you. We got more powerful nukes than you. I'm going to show you How what's seriously? up. Seriously? How seriously do we take Putin saying that? Because I think most people would say the same thing about Putin. Mm, yeah, know, exactly. And that's why I don't think anything would happen. Thing. Well, because we're and saying we wouldn't do anything. I don't we think we've changed anything. any stance that's on the thing. what happened. Because if Putin saying, uses a tactical nuclear you. weapon in Ukraine, we have said we will not do anything. I, I actually 100% agree with Nick on this one. Same thing with Taiwan to be... Like, I really like the fact that we were talking about Taiwan. We were like, oh, are they going to invade? Are these exercises a new, you know, is it the same thing? Like, all these military analysts and former generals have been talking about gearing up for a war in the South China Sea. And, you know, 10, oh, what is it, eight years ago? Yeah, eight years ago when I was in college, I would listen to, you know, as a as an early, as a young international affairs major, I would listen to these people on um, different podcasts and they'd say, Oh, you know, there's going to be a major war or a major conflict in the next five years. We got to gear up. We got to do whatever. And that that's sort of been the sentiment. Um, you know, Russia wasn't seen as how it, what it's doing right now. That wasn't really seen as being on the table. It was really focused on what's going to happen with Taiwan. What's going to happen with the South China Sea? How are the United States and China going to counterbalance each other there? And I think one really interesting thing is like, Biden has shown a major break from how we've talked about Taiwan. Usually the United States policy has been very wishy-washy. It's like, all right, we don't want to say we want to defend Taiwan no matter what, because then the Taiwanese politicians are going to like really go China into it and like, hey, the U.S. has got our back no matter what. Try to mess with us. It's like, we don't want them to do that. On the same side, we don't want them to think that like they're all alone. So it's like we've been towing this middle path where we don't fully recognize it. And then the Biden administration just straight up said like, hey, yeah, we will defend Taiwan. Like that's going to happen. So I don't know. I think that I was, is a pretty significant yeah. event. And then they backtrack on it too all the time. But Nick's right. Like that's the yeah, furthest we've recently. ever been. 
So timeline of events, as far as I remember, was Biden said something that he wasn't supposed to say. He said something like, we'll defend Taiwan. Yeah. He had the, the they had to backtrack publicly. And then a few months later, they came out and said, actually, our our public stance is that we will defend Taiwan. Yeah. So it seems like maybe they had been having discussions or, again, Biden's just senile and just couldn't help himself. Funnily enough. Goes. But funny that Trump didn't mention it. Uh, as hardcore as Biden did, it, that that's what interests me about that whole situation. For Trump, you it was the trade war. Trump would have gone harder. For Trump, yeah, it was exactly. the trade war, not the actual exactly. war. Yeah, but but when you talk about actual war, it's like the trade war leads leads to the actual yeah. war. Yeah, and to be because fair, they, like because Tyler, Taiwan what you were has about. the semiconductors, they've done so well economically. It's like Hong Kong, and you have like people like well, Elon Hong Musk Kong coming out and China. saying, that's... "Yeah, but guess what? You have people like Elon Musk coming out and saying." Actually, they should handle Taiwan like they handled Hong Kong. It should be a two-state solution or something like that. It's just like no, but that what? is that yeah, yeah it's crazy. That, I don't know. Oh, that, that is one no, thing I'm, we I'm haven't really you, covered look. that much. But yeah, Elon is totally out of it. I guess we talked about it on the last show, but it really is crazy to see. That. We talked about Twitter, kind of. It's just, it's just, dude. It infuriates me to no end. Where, for example, if Elon was really putting up his own private capital to help Ukraine for some weird PR stunt, like okay, I, I would get, I would get something like that, right? But like the U.S. government, European governments, all these other governments have paid him a lot of money for the Starlink system. It's not like he's doing it for free. It's not like he's such a great person. And then he complains about it. And it's like, you're literally getting paid to do this. Like, why? what's the deal? Because he, vol- he volunteered it for free. So it was like, it was really a smart business move. It's like, we're going to support this war effort, but actually the government's going to pay for it. And that's how Elon Musk has gotten a lot of his money, like tax credits. He gets a lot of money from the government. He's not stupid, but I'm not going to say he's some hero or anything. Like yeah. at the end of the day, it's like you help. It's going to be a bad look if he pulls out and doesn't help them. So and we I talked to, we'll about Roe v. Wade a lot on the show, and I want to give critique something more. But I mean, the queen died. I mean, I remember that was an early conversation on our yeah. show: was should there be a monarchy? Should you know? Because I remember we were complaining about U.S. Um, political systems or political dynasties. Where there are certain families like the Clintons, like the Bushes, like other families, where they're just seen as like American political royalty in a sense. And sure, it's popular now and fun to hate on the Clintons or the Bushes. But you look at someone like, you know, the Kennedys, and they're still seen as this this positive family, despite all the issues they've had. <laughs> in fact, I mean, look, they no family is without their flaws. But yeah, I remember we were so against that. I think all of us. And then the queen dies. And I just thought it was funny where I was like, hey, oh, I was, a, I was I the more pro-monarchy yeah, guy, you guys, the You're both like, oh, I actually the love monarchy. the queen. The queen's great. Hey, it's, it's so much respect for the queen. It's like, give me a fucking break. Um, Dude, Liz Truss is going to be out. We haven't really talked about that recently. I like Liz Truss actually more than other people. Bro, she's messed up so badly. But Pratiki cares so much about the stock market. She's ruined. She's going to be out soon, but... Yeah. I actually like we, we have too many other topics to cover for this show, but so we'll I get think, into that. I'm sure in the coming weeks. I do. I think one one thing I want to add though too with the Queen Elizabeth thing is just the fact that I think she must have been a very good queen to make her monarchy last that long because when all then the time when all the other monarchies and stuff was falling apart, she's been there the whole time. She was the longest serving monarch in the history of the United Kingdom, and I think that's important to note. Just because I think that if the queen was a really bad monarch, 
then it would have probably been cancelled way back when because all the other monarchies are falling apart everywhere else. There are a few monarchies here and there, like in Spain and like Hungary and but like they're not they're not that important. Like the Queen and the royal family of the UK are seen on that high pedestal. And it's weird because even places like India, right? India they colonized and they controlled India for so many years. Most people that are Indian have some passion or some like, you know, likability towards the monarchy. And it's strange because they also captivated the country for so many years. Like they're the bad guys. But for whatever reason, that's not just us. It's everywhere around the world. A lot of the former royal like colonies, they all have some kind of like, we like the royal family. We love the crown show. Like we have some kind of, you know, likability towards Pratique. them. You're talking about likability, and I think Queen Elizabeth had that likability, and frankly, I mean, she was a woman, and I think that plays into the sort of like, yeah. I don't know, I think that is a good optic for you, to have a royal family where it's like, oh, it's a woman in power. That That's seen to, right in this moment yeah. as like a good thing to have a woman in power. Let's see now how long Charles, Charles lasts. <laughs> now it's back to Charles. Like, first of all, I, I really do think he's the downfall of the royal family in many ways. One, his relationship with Diana... Two, the fact that he was a lame duck for so long. Three, the fact that he's so unlikable now and is so old that, like, at the point of him becoming monarch, it's like, what's the point? Just get out of the way, dude. Like, move on. Move to Barbados or something. Renounce your titles. Just get out of here. But, yeah, I don't know. I just think Queen Elizabeth, critique to what you were saying, it's like, she was likable. She was a woman. She was, you know, seen as, I don't know. I, I just don't think Charles has the same stuff. So even though I was like, oh, Elizabeth, she's fine, whatever. I just don't think the royal family going forward. I mean, they're going to have to have someone who's actually decent at being a royal, and I just don't see that in the immediate future. Maybe in 20 years, not right now. Charles said that he's a placeholder. He said that. Like, he knows his position. I can't fault him too much. He didn't decide for that to happen, but something I'd mentioned on the show when we were talking about this is if you wanted to succeed, it would have to be someone younger coming up with the next generation, being a leader in some way that they can respect and, like, grow with. Personally, I don't think it... I, I think the uh, the queen was probably a good queen in terms of being able to survive in the position. But let's be real. If you democratize a monarchy, inevitably the queen's going to have no power and you're a placeholder. And well, it's not very hard to not disrupt the public when you're not you're you're not you don't have enough influence politically. Like it's hard to make bad decisions when you're not making too many decisions. And I think that's what helped. To, if she were making actively decisions over the past 50 years, there would have been way more turmoil way more opposition she would not be nearly universally loved as much as she is now i think one thing what you're saying though is the fact that because the monarchy in england doesn't have any actual power or uk i should say the monarchy of uk doesn't have any actual power what are you gonna overthrow something without power like what is that like what do they well they have a they're ahead of state they're more historical than anything they're a diplomat and yeah like well, i mean like, well <laughs> they're they're, <laughs> they're they're the chief diplomat tyler so basically they're like secretary of state in the united no, states no i i get that i get that but they don't like i said they're not dictating the yeah, trajectory yeah that's what i mean of that's UK. why so that's why at the end of the there. day it's not hard to yeah. not get removed from power when you don't have that True. much is what my point so I think that's why it survived so long without conflict. So Nick was talking about Roe v. Wade, so let's move on to there. So Roe v. Wade being overturned was probably one of the biggest events that's happened in this year. Huge. Yeah. Most people would have never expected the federal right to abortion to ever be removed. Most Republicans have always been opposed to abortion. 
most Democrats have always been a favorable and pro-choice towards the rights to have not always, but not always. it's always yeah. it's always been like a weird mix of people. In most people just a have a strong most people just have a strong opinion on like the trimester stuff. They feel like first trimester okay, second trimester the baby becomes more developed. We need to eliminate it. You know, we we need to make sure we prevent abortion from happening at that point. But there's always been these debates. But we never thought fe that federally we would just eliminate the right to have an abortion. But now that the weird stuff going on right now is that now it's a political conversation. Republicans or Democrats could pass a law to codify abortion to be a right federally over a certain period of weeks, but things haven't happened because right now it's a political talking point. Democrats are going to use it as like, you know, something that they're going to gun in with to go whenever they're going into their presidential elections and their primaries. And the Demo Republicans, they, a lot of, even like Lindsey Graham, they tried to pass something. Republicans are trying to argue that, you know, look at us. We passed, you know, our, when you have conservatives in the Supreme Court that Republicans elect, well, what happens is that they protect the rights of babies that haven't been born yet. And it's one of those things that now it's a state's rights issue, basically. The states that don't like abortion, where a majority of the population are opposed to abortion, they don't have any abortion laws. While states that are do have more people that are more likely to have an abortion or feel that they're, they should have the right to have an abortion, states like New York, they all have rights basically protecting abortion now. So now it went from being a federal rights issue to being a state's rights issue, but there has been a major transformation on the conversation about it. And all these people are technically hypocrites. If people feel that you need to have the right to have an abortion, well, you have all these congressional people there. They should pass a law to make it a right. But at the same time, right now, all these people are going to use this as political ammunition to move forward. So that's what it's become. I, I, I got this one wrong for sure. I thought for a long time. I didn't think they're actually going to repeal it. So definitely got that wrong on the show. I definitely... Said the other was probably going to happen. But looking at the outcomes of this, you're right. It's a state's right, is right issue. It's a, this is one of the major issues of our time, I think. It's been discussed for so, so long. You have Roe v. Wade 50 plus years ago. And then this happens now. We're living throughout a major event in history. Here's, here's my prediction. I know we're not really doing predictions on episode 100, but here it is. Um, for episode I, 200. What, for what episode 200. <laughs> I think that going forward over the next 20 years... Uh, maybe 10 actually next 10 years in 15 years i think it'll turn around but for the next 10 years i think the supreme court's legitimacy in the eyes of many americans is going to decline one way or another either you're going to have core packing on the democrat side to sort of counterbalance the existing republican majority or what you're going to have is more and more opinions coming out where it's kind of against for for example the abortion stuff right um you go down that right if they start to touch like gay marriage interracial marriage they start going down that line like clarence thomas has said and alito has said I, like that is going to open up a whole can of worms where even though they say they're not political and yes, the way the Supreme Court functions is that a case needs to be brought to them. It's not like they can wake up in the morning and say, we're going to dismantle abortion rights in this country. They need to have a case brought to them. Okay, so they're not they can doing put out the bat signal, you know, though, and but, say, oh, if our case were to arrive, we may make this decision. on." No, that but case. that's the thing. I think that as more of these major landmark cases are questions and overturned and to be perfectly fair. It could be that they're on shaky legal ground and should be overturned. It, that could very well be the case. However, I think that the effects of a lot of these cases are going to be seen as purely political. And this next election cycle, as Trump or others play up the fact that Republicans have a majority now because Trump won, 
And because of this past stuff, it's only going to be seen as political moving forward, especially with all the stuff with Clarence Thomas and his wife, Jeannie, where she's like, oh, the election was rigged. And, and now there's a whole investigation into that. And it's a whole mess. But I just think that fundamentally, the court is going to become more politicized. And I think part of that, frankly, is a result of Congress not doing their job. So it's not really the court's fault. But with this leak, with the politicization, I, I just don't think that they can, they're going to do anything in the next like 10 years to restore that feeling among Americans that, oh, the Supreme Court is apolitical. They're just watching over the system. They care about the law. They're non-political, non-partisan actors. I think they're going to increasingly be seen more and more as partisan actors following the party lead. Even if that isn't the case, I think that's what's going to happen. And it's unfortunate. I think it is partisan, in my opinion, because if, let's say, three or four Republicans died and Biden's in office, you're going to have four new Democrats to take the, you know, to become Supreme Court justices. Obviously, if you're a legal person, you're going to be like, whoa, that's not right. But generally speaking, that's what happens. I don't think, I think it's all commonplace. My argument would just be that, like Lindsey Graham's bill, I didn't, I thought it was a decent bill where you eliminate, you can't have an abortion after so many weeks because there's really, really rare cases where there are people that have abortions after like 20, 21 weeks. I think some of those laws, there's a reasonable loss. If you want to potentially solve these problems, that's how you solve these problems. But the fact is that the government doesn't want to solve these problems. And what you realize is that that's, the, that's what these people are going to fight about and that's what they're going to talk about during their elections i think if these things got resolved we'd be a much better country i don't think most people are like anti-abortion but i also don't think that the people that are anti-abortion don't think that there should be a certain there shouldn't be any time period where somebody can't have an abortion if there are certain cases where there are actually bad things that happen to the mother and things like that. So I think in the, the common ground law would be what Roe v. Wade was. And I do think that the legislation and people in Congress, like if Lindsey Graham is willing to do it, the guy is like a hardcore Republican, but he's like the young boomer right now in his 60s and the, you know going on in the government. So I think if he's able to try to pass something like that, I think there's enough Republicans that could get around it. And I think Democrats are trying to block that stuff too because they want this as a political ammunition but the fact is that most of us as regular people we want some kind of common compromise and the compromise is something like lindsey graham's bill it's something that's just like all right we're gonna have a law i mean it's not the best law but it's the law law is there you can have an abortion for a certain period of weeks and if you don't want to have an abortion you don't have an abortion but you have that time period to decide I think that's what most people believe. That's what most people want. But the fact is that the government is the government and they don't care about what you or I want. They just want to be back in office. So that's what it is. So I, I understand the irony in what I'm about to say, but do you think Roe v. Wade was a mistake? I think that... In that we if, could have gotten the legislation down yes. flat without needing that extra blanket of having the Supreme Court's protection. I think so. I think if there was and a legislation that just legalized abortion for a certain period of time, like most other countries around the world have, that would have been the solution to all this stuff. It probably would have, would have been much more restrictive, though. Can you imagine people in the 70s, 80s, 90s putting that legislation mm, in? It probably yeah, would have been probably much would have more been. strict than it would have been, been today, more which is interesting. But, but they the, could have evolved it over time, yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. They could have made changes to it, like all the other laws. But the problem is that because it was done by the Supreme Court on a shaky law, legal decision, and all this stuff, because for the longest time, none of us really knew what Roe v. Wade was about. I mean, it's some privacy legislation that somehow did something to cancel out 
abor- allow abortion everywhere. Like it was one of those weird legislation, you know, weird People sort legal of knew decisions. what it was. Pratik, it's not yeah. like Roe versus Wade yeah, 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 was yeah, thought of as a river system. No, no, law. I know. Like that, that was. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. I'm just Everything's saying that. Fiftieth like, anniversary of the Clean Water Act being signed. On this day, <laughs> it's a special day. Are you having a party? Of October. Why wasn't I invited? Should have. Dude, are you party. gonna drink water for Clean I've Water Act anniversary? I've been drinking water on the show. I actually oh, wow. drank my celebration glass. right there. <laughs> and I'm drinking tap water. The other things that have happened is um, we talked about this a little bit. Was the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago? Sure, we discussed Trump a lot already, but I'm just saying that's a major thing. It we talked about it for two weeks. The news talked about it for a few weeks, but now it's not in the news anymore. So that's the last thing. Yeah. And then, you know, late, lately we've had that the weed legislation thing being talked about. So, hey, we've come quite a ways, guys. We've come from Trump through Biden to COVID, Afghanistan. We have Roe v. Wade, student loans, Saudi Arabia, the Ukraine and Russia, the economy, Queen Elizabeth dying, all these changes. All over the past two years, we've been covering these topics for you people I hope you've enjoyed it. We all uh, hope you've enjoyed it. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, that's one episode 100 of Politicana to a thousand more, my friends. Take us away. Any it's final already comments? too late to register in spots, but register to vote if you're not registered. Um, I am going to do something dastardly. I'm going to do something risky. I want to see what it's like to do same-day registration, so we'll, we'll see how that goes this year. I could be one of those uncounted ballots that I will then have to argue about whether or not my vote (laughs) is a real vote or if I'm some dead person voting in the next election. We'll see. And I think one thing that we're going to look forward to in the next 100 episodes is you're going to see a lot of us discussing the presidential primaries. Yes. So as soon as this November election finishes, we're going to start talking about the Republican and the Democratic primary if the Democrats have a primary or if the Republicans really have a primary apart from Trump and DeSantis. But we will be discussing that and we'll be talking about what's going to be the potential outcome, who's going to win the election, what are the how are people going to vote, what states are going to vote how. But I think that's going to be a future of what's going to happen in the next hundred episodes. And that's what's going to be like the biggest storylines. As soon as November finishes, as soon as February starts, the primaries are on the go and we already know who are the two top front runners for the Republican Party. And we already know by Biden's number one in all his polls. And but a new hey, Congress we'll have a choice. So I think that's that's one thing. If the True. Dems keep the Senate and the Republicans have the House, nothing's going to happen. Like, legislation's just going to grind to a halt. So we're going to be talking about the exact same issues. You can look forward to that. But I'm sure there will be twists and turns. And who knows? Maybe there's a new standout candidate where we have to... We can finally... We're finally allowed to entertain the idea that someone other than Trump could be the Republican nominee or someone Liz other than Cheney Biden for president. could be, oh, dude, you know Liz Cheney's <laughs> going nowhere. But hey, episode 100 of Politicana, thank you for tuning in. As always, we'll catch you next week. Later.